Amen. Take your Bibles, if you will, and go to 2 Timothy. 2 Timothy chapter 2. We're going to continue our, our walk or our study, our sermons, if you will, through, the, through this epistle of 2 Timothy. And I hope it's been a, a blessing to you. Uh, it's, it's certainly been a blessing to me studying through this. Uh, again, it's one of my uh, favorite epistles uh, in, the, in, the, in the Bible, in the New Testament. And I think I share with you as we began this month, uh, comparative to the, the length of text in here, I probably have more sermons and more devotionals and more Bible studies from these four chapters, relatively speaking, than any other four chapters in anywhere in the Bible, including the book of Genesis. And uh, it, is a, it is a book that's meant a lot to me over the years. Uh, a good 20 years I've been in this book. It's, uh, it's one of my favorites. Uh, but we're going to begin reading, continue reading there in 2 Timothy chapter 2. And we're going to, let's begin right there at verse number 1. And we will, we will read down to verse 10 or so. The Bible says, Thou therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And the things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men who shall be able to teach others also. Thou therefore endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. No man that warreth entangleth himself with the affairs of this life, that he may please him who hath chosen him to be a soldier. And if a man also strive for masteries, yet is he not crowned, except he strive lawfully. The husbandman that laboreth must be first partaker of the fruits. Consider what I say, and the Lord give thee understanding in all things. Remember that Jesus Christ of the seed of David was raised from the dead according to my gospel, wherein I suffer trouble as an evildoer, even unto bonds, but the word of God is not bound. Therefore I endure all things for the elect's sake, that they may also obtain the salvation which is in Christ Jesus, with eternal glory. Thank you, Lord, for this day. Lord, I pray, Lord, that you meet with us this morning as already been requested. Lord, help us all to, Lord, to put away ourselves this morning and receive what you have for us this morning. Help us to, Lord, to open our hearts and our minds and our souls to you this morning. Help us to see you high and lifted up, Lord. Help your word to not return void this morning. Help it to do uh, what it's uh, what it's supposed to do in our hearts, Lord. Help it to help it to change us, Lord. Help us to uh, to realize there that we are meeting with you, Lord. We are the saints who are gathered together, Lord, in your name, and there are you in the midst, Lord. And we just, Lord, we stand in awe of who you are spiritually, Lord, and who you are in all things, Lord. We love you this morning, Lord. We do praise you, Lord, for allowing us to be here uh, when many many cannot. And Lord, and we, we praise you for that. We praise you for some answered prayers here. We think of Judy with uh, the absence of the stones, Lord. We thank you for that, Lord. We praise you for my brother, Lord, with, uh, with no heart or, or cardiac issues there, Lord. We're very much thankful for that. We praise you for the, uh, the thread gills, Lord, being able to land, Lord, the COVID and all those things take uh, uh, falling into place, Lord, when we really couldn't see a way with, with all the things in front of them, Lord, uh, Lord, you provided. As you always do, Lord, you provide. Lord, we trust that you will never allow us to go through anything that you will not carry us through. Lord, and we're love, we love you for that, Lord. And we ask you again to meet this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, for those of y'all who've been here as long as I've been here as the pastor, uh, this chapter here specifically is the first sermon I preached as the pastor of Holmes Baptist Church. Not this sermon, but this passage here. This sermon is a little bit similar to that, uh, but the meat is, uh, is different. 
Uh, so continuing on, I just wanted to point that out there. And one more thing I want to point out is as we go through this, I don't make a, a hard thrust on the differences between a physical soldier and a spiritual soldier, although I'll talk about them a little bit. But there are some differences. Uh, we don't want to talk about, you know, soldiers. You know, I, I was a soldier for a number of years. And, you know, we go to the battlefield and there's certain things you do there, whether it's peacekeeping or making peace. We're not to do those kind of things as a Christian soldier. We're supposed to endure hardness as a soldier, continue in the Lord's army. But all the things that we're going to talk about here this morning and all the things the Lord talks about through Paul here is spiritual warfare. And we must make it uh, make sure that we understand that cl uh, clearly because there are some, I would suppose, that would take these things literally. We're not warring physically. We are warring spiritually. Our battle, our enemy, is principalities and of, of powers and all those things that the Bible talks about in other places, spiritual darkness and high, and high places. Those are our enemies. And so we are here not to take life as soldiers, but to tell others about eternal life. And I think that's the, the biggest difference here. And last week, as we went through this passage here, we, we looked at our second sermon in, in 2 Timothy, and we looked at the end of chapter 1 and, a, and the first two verses of chapter 2 uh, in a message entitled, Hold the Line, Holding the Line. And as we continue in 2 Timothy this morning, I would like to speak to you about advancing that line. Advancing that line. In fact, the title of this message is Advance the Line. Advance the Line. Uh, we want to remember a, a little, uh, maybe a little sentence or two last week. We talked about holding the line truthfully enables us to advance that line. Uh, we, have much, we must be strong in some of the things that we talked about last week. And we'll, we'll hit on some of those things uh, this morning as well. Also in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 2, which says, And the things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men who shall be able to teach others also. We discussed last week how Paul instructed Timothy that we must teach others what has been taught to us. If we got the Word of God, if we have salvation, we're not supposed to have that knowledge just to have that knowledge. Now there is... Uh, some great benefits to having that knowledge, of course, eternal life and all those things like that. But we should pass that knowledge on. We're like, I think we likened ourselves to a water hose hooked up to the faucet or the, the spigot or whatever you want to call that. And it's wide on. And we're the hose. So we're getting all those nutrients from the life, from the word and from the water and all those things. But we're supposed to pass the torch, as we talked about last week. And I realized that Paul's emphasis here, specifically there in verse 2, is to teach the word of God to those who are already believers. He says to faithful men. But let's be honest, where does that begin? It begins with the gospel. It begins with sharing the word of God. In fact, in 2 Timothy 4, 6, Paul instructs Timothy to do the work of an evangelist. Now, the Bible definition of, of an evangelist is a little different than what we would probably think of as an evangelist today. Uh, the closest understanding of a modern day evangelist would be that of a missionary church planter, not one that goes from church to church and encouraging the, the believers there. And I'm not trying to knock that anything, but the Bible talks about church planting. And surprisingly enough, it doesn't have the word missionary in the Bible, but it does have the word evangelist. Uh, Paul would later tell Timothy in his third pastoral epistle, uh, tell Tim Titus rather, to ordain elders in every city. That's planting churches in every city. That is the great commission we're talking about. This is uh, commanding 
Paul is commanding Timothy, the Lord is commanding us to reach the world, to preach the gospel, and to teach the word of God. And that's really all we do in a summary, really, on the outside of these walls, reaching, preaching, and teaching. And last week, last week again, we called that passing the torch, telling others about the Lord Jesus Christ. Imagine a marathon where you didn't pass the baton or the Olympic runners way back, way back in the day when they didn't pass the torch. Or I remember that, uh, that Greek story about the marathons, how they ran, what's it, 21, 26? I don't know. I don't run that far anymore. Um, so anyway, so we need to pass the torch. But remember, we ourselves, in order to pass the knowledge of the Word of God, we must be able to, one, receive it. We must be able to grasp it before we can give it. And this is kind of what we're doing here. This is part of the Great Commission this morning, the, the, disciple, the, the discipleness, or discipleship to teach the Word of God. But I want to point out as we kind of continue in closing this introduction here. Verse 2, Paul commands Timothy to teach faithful men who shall be able to teach others. So on this statement, because we are commanded to pass the torch, because we are commanded to evangelize, there are some necessary qualifications. In other words, because of the command to teach others in verse 2, verse 3 begins with thou therefore. So I'm going to tell you this. And because of these things, because of this command, do these things. Because of one thing, do another. Because of that, do this. And the first thing the aged apostle instructs young Timothy to do is endure hardness. To endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. Simply put, in my, in my Tennessee lingo, be tough. Be tough as a Christian and I reckon Paul knew that the teaching of the gospel and the teaching of the entire word of God was not going to be easy. And he's not just talking. I don't think this guidance here for Paul to Timothy is just because he's a pastor of a church. This is for all of us. We are to teach what we know. You cannot teach what you do know, what you don't know. But we are commanded to share what we do know. And Paul is telling him, you need to endure hardness. There's going to be some difficulty when you share the word, we talked about, it, I think, a couple weeks ago, we can say praise God in the workplace. We can say thank you, God, for the workplace or in the workplace. But when you mention the name of Jesus, the temperature seems to change a little bit. Let's make sure that we're not ashamed of our Savior. Paul is telling Timothy and God is telling us this morning, there's going to be some difficulty. If you're going to follow through and be a good soldier, you need to endure hardness. You will not always be preaching Paul to Timothy to people who want to hear your message. Isn't it great? Church is great. When people come, they want to hear. They're hungry for the word of God. But that's not always the case. That's hardly ever the case outside of our gathering. There's going to be those that, that, that will hate your message. They will hate your message and what you stand for. They will hate the gospel. There will be those who do not like even what the Bible says, or they do not want to listen to the straightforwardness of the Bible. And there will be some who will not endure sound doctrine, the Bible says. But after their own lust, they shall heap to themselves teachers, having itching ears. I mean, how, what does that look practically? You go to a church, say you're looking to get a hold of something, the preacher says something from the Bible that's offensive, how, many, how often does this happen? You go to another church. Well, I like what he says because it doesn't offend me. That's exactly what Paul is talking about here. We're going, to find, we're going to find teachers who only say what we want to hear. Friends, that's not what growth is. 
We need spiritual growth. We need those friends who tell us the hard rights, tell us the truths of the scripture. And Paul is saying there will come a time when they're not going to listen anymore. And if we are going to continue doing what the Lord has commanded us to do, it's going to require some spiritual grit, some fortitude. We must endure hardness. We must be tough. Those words endure hardness are one word in the Greek. Uh, and it is, of course, means to endure hardness, but also to suffer evil, to suffer trouble, and to endure affliction. In other words, we must have the spiritual fortitude, the grit, if you will, to endure the ridicule and persecution received by the world for reaching the world with a message they need to hear. And I think many times that you and I don't recognize the fact that receiving ridicule sometimes for the way we live, for the Bible, for the book that we read, or our separated lifestyle, that differences, we get called all kinds of names or whatever it may be. And we don't recognize that as receiving ridicule or as enduring for the Lord. But that's what the Bible talks about here. We must endure for the Lord. We must be willing to endure for the Lord. And again, Paul likens the spiritual endurance to the physical endurance of a soldier. Of a soldier. And when we understand it in this aspect, there is much to endure. I mean, think about what a soldier endures. We have soldiers here today. There is much to endure on the battlefield and off the battlefield. And sometimes you even endure more hardness off the battlefield when you're training to go on the battlefield. So there are naturally some things required for any one soldier to be considered a good soldier. And here in the text, one of those requirements that Paul is telling Timothy is toughness. You must endure hardness. Christians, you and I, should be physically, mentally, and emotionally, and most importantly, spiritually tough. We are to endure hardness. But let's be honest, is that not a tall order? It is a very tall order. I mean, how are we going to rise above what the world throws at us? How are we going to endure the pains and sufferings this world gives us? This is something that's very difficult to achieve. Even physically, those soldiers in this world who exhibit that level of toughness, toughness, they stand out above their peers, do they not? But we are to be tough. We are to endure hardness. So how does a Christian soldier, how does a Christian soldier on in the Lord's battle? How does, how does, how do we do that? Well, ironically, I think it's kind of interesting that personal victory for the Christian soldier does not come through our personal effort, although there's, we need to do those things, but our victory comes through surrender. I mean, get how that works together. As a soldier, we are to surrender to our Savior so that we can be a good soldier. So to be an enduring soldier, we must be a good soldier. I remember the first time I hey, preached this, even before this passage, even before I came to Homeless Baptist Church, I, I thought about being a soldier. I think I was still in the military at that time. I was like, I'm going to get up here. And it was in a military church. And I'm going to talk about surrender. That's probably not going to go over that well. Because we, like we don't like to surrender. We don't wave our white flags. We want to charge on. Even sometimes in ignorance, we want to be right. We want to finish the course. But to be a victorious Christian soldier, we must be surrendered to our Savior. Surrendered and faithful to the one who has called us to be a soldier. 
Our fortitude must come through faithfulness. Our fortitude comes through faithfulness because without faith, it's impossible to do some things. At the top of that list is to please God. We cannot please God without faith. Put a different way, to be a tough soldier is to be a faithful soldier. To be a tough Christian that can endure the ridicules of this world or the persecutions or whatever the Lord allows us to face. To be a tough soldier is to be a faithful soldier. Think about it. How can a soldier from any country be victorious in his very first battle? How is that possible? How can he or she endure the rigors of battle when he's never been to battle? Faithfulness. Faithfulness. Faithfulness to the master and faithful to the things required of him. And for us as Christians, this means faithfully surrendering our will to his will. We must be all in under him. We must be committed, surrender all that we are to him. Which brings us quickly to our next spiritual quality that enables us to advance the line. Notice verses 3 and 5 again, 3 through 5. The Bible says, Thou therefore endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. No man that warreth entangleth himself with the affairs of this life, that he may, choose, that he may please him who hath chosen him to be a soldier. And if any man also strive for masteries, yet is he not crowned, except he strive lawfully. So we are to be tough, and then we are to be trained we are to be trained. We'll come back to verse 4 in a moment. But notice right now that verse 5 states that we are to strive for masteries and we are to do so lawfully. I mean, it, it's, not a, it's not rocket science. A good soldier is a trained soldier, right? A good Christian is a trained Christian. A good soldier doesn't take shortcuts in training. You know, I used to be a soldier. I was, you know, an E1 many, many years ago. I know that you can take your Kevlar and put it right on, your, on the top of your... On the top of your weapon while you're pulling security, tell me I'm the only one that does this. And you can fall asleep without anybody knowing it. Right? You're just there and it's lean and just, it just works perfect. And it looks like you're just pulling your tens and twos, doing the right thing until somebody comes along. Hey, Inslee, what are you doing over there? Oh, pulling security. Mm-hmm. You see me walk right in front of you? <laughs> but so I know that. What Good soldiers don't do that. Good soldiers don't take shortcuts. They're all in because they realize the severity of what's in front of them. In history or in the future, they know the battle. They realize the dangers of warfare. And as Christians, I think if we truly grasp, if you and I truly got a hold of the dangers of spiritual warfare, the dangers of not walking with our God, we'd care more about the basics. We would focus more on those basics. Last week, last week we learned about the 51st Combat Engineer Battalion. I hope y'all remember that great story in history during World War II and how they performed superbly in combat, even though they had never been to combat. And while there are many variables in such a fluid situation, their seriousness and commitment during training played a very important role to their performance in the real world. And we as Christians are truly no different. If we have a desire to advance the line for the cause of Christ, we must be trained in the art of spiritual warfare. You know, maybe we should have spiritual warfare training centers all over the world to train Christians for the cause of Christ. And actually, maybe we can call those local churches because this is where we get our, our power, our strength, our edification. So when we go outside this gathering, we can face what the world has for us. 
But just like any training in the army, being a good soldier, in any army rather, being a good soldier for Jesus Christ, again, begins with the basics. It begins with the basics. Many, many Christians, including myself, when you forget the basics, you kind of you lose your way. And I, I realize that Paul is giving Timothy some things beyond the basics here, and we'll get to that here quickly, uh, namely trustworthiness, which is going to be the next main point. But we have some things to get to before we get to that. I think a quick reminder of what basic Christianity entails is in order. About a year ago, in this, from this pulpit, I preached a message that discussed the seven traits of real Christianity, seven fruits of, uh, of, for a real Christian or some, something along those lines. And I believe these seven traits, these next seven traits, and you could probably add many more, but these are the core traits, I think, that should be the basics for every single believer, every single follower of Christ. Number one, there's supplications. I'm going to put it up on the screen here. You got all seven here. There's supplications. This is daily prayer in the spirit. You cannot be a Christian without praying a lot. You cannot be a good soldier, a better way to put that, without being in communication with higher command. You need to be in touch. The Bible says in 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 and 17, rejoice evermore. Pray without ceasing. Effectual prayer, therefore, is a basic Christian trait. Prayer is a basic Christian trait. Christian traits. Scriptures, daily devotion in the Word. John 17, 17 says, Sanctify them through thy truth. Thy Word is truth. We want sanctification. We must be in the book. That's all there is. It must be here in the Word of God. And in fact, Romans 10, 17 says, Faith cometh by the hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. Allowing Scriptures, allowing this book to change you, is a basic Christian trait. It's not advanced. It's not doctorate level. It's basic Christian trait. The sanctuary, the assembling of ourselves together like we are this morning. Hebrews 10, 25 commands us to do these things. Christ's followers should love Christ's church. That's just all there is to it. This is what the Lord died for. We should be all in for what the Lord is all in for. He went to the cross for this. Making it a point to assemble and worship with fellow believers in your local church is not advanced discipleship. It's basic Christian traits. And then there's sacrifice. The giving of ourselves. 2 Corinthians 8, 5 says, And this they did, not as we hoped, but first gave of their own selves to the Lord and to us also. Having the right treasures in the right place is not advanced Christianity. It's basic Christian theology. It's basic Christian beliefs, a trait that every Christian should have. And then there's service. Service. Serving Christ by serving others. Philippians 2, a phenomenal chapter about the service of our Savior. It says, look not on every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. How often do modern day Christians do the opposite of this? It's not advanced. It's basic. So a genuine care for the physical, emotional, and mental well-being of others is a basic Christian trait. And then there's soul winning. Number six. Reaching the lost. This is not something for just for preachers. It's not something for missionaries or Sunday school teachers. It's for every single one of us. 
The Bible says in Mark 16, 15, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. That's your neighbor, the ones you like, the ones you don't like, your moms and dads, your brothers and sisters, your cousins, everybody. Proverbs eleven thirty says, He that winneth souls is wise. A genuine care for the spiritual well-being of others is a basic Christian trait. And then there's submission to the Savior, to the Scriptures, and to your church. James 4, 7 says, Submit yourselves therefore to God. James 1, says, Be ye doers of the word and not hearers only. Hebrews 13 says, Remember them which have the rule over you, who have spoken unto you the word of God, whose faith follow. And submit yourselves, for they watch for your souls, as they must give an account. This is a very fearful verse to me. But Christ-like leadership, Christ-like followership, if I can call it that, and biblical submission is a basic Christian trait. It's not for those that are in the doctorate level of Christianity. This is for basic Christians. So these seven traits are seven areas of life that should be near and dear to every one of our hearts. And maybe these things are, are old and normal. Maybe it seems too, too much of an of a eight-year-old Sunday school lesson. But these are the things that keep us on track. These are the things that keep Christians and churches on track. And Paul seemingly, back in our text here, seemingly sums up all these traits together. Look at verse 4. He says, no man, no man, you can almost say no Christian, that warreth entangleth himself with these affairs, with the affairs of this life, that he may please him who hath chosen him to be a soldier. So may you and I be serious about serving our Savior and with the spiritual grit found through surrender, and with a keen focus on being trained, according to this verse, we're to be trustworthy. We are to be trustworthy. A soldier is not entangled with things. He's mission-focused. You know, that Greek word used for warreth, not surprisingly, is closely related to the Greek word used for soldier. I mean, literally, it means to know, uh, if you read it, Thou, or verse 4, No man that soldiers entangleth himself with the affairs of this life, that he may please him who hath chosen him to be a soldier. So no man that soldiers entangles himself with, the, with things unbecoming of a soldier. Things that unplease him or do not please the one who called him to be a soldier. So in other words, we must, again, stay focused on the basics. Don't get Caught up. Uh, friends, we are, this is nothing that, on one hand, I think I'm preaching to something that you already know, but I think we all can get this through personal experience because we've, many of us have been there. Don't get caught up or entangled in the world. Don't do it. Keep your eye on the prize. What's our, our motto for this year? Pressing toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Keep focused. Stay focused on Jesus. He's the only one that doesn't move. He doesn't change. He is the one who has chosen you to be a soldier. We are his blood-bought bride. And he is worthy. He is worthy. He is worthy of our very best of our complete surrender. And we are His ambassadors in this life. This is not just me saying that this is, what, this is Bible. We are His ambassadors in this life. If you are a Christian, you represent Christ. Period. The question is, 
for us all the time is as his ambassadors, can he trust us? Can he trust us to represent Christ? I mean, think about that as, as an American diplomat or, or a German diplomat or a Ukrainian or Sri Lankan, or whatever. You go to a different country and you are an ambassador to that country. You were there to represent the country from which you were sent. And how would it be if you went there and you started to represent the countries in which you lived in as the ambassador? You change your whole ideals. Like, for example, if an American came, he was an, an ambassador to, say, Pakistan or something like that. But he was there for a couple of years. And before you know it, he was completely adapted to their religion, whatever. And you can, you can kind of go along with that. He's no longer representing America, even though that tag is on him. But he's representing different ideals. And you can do the same thing for any country, going to a different country. But we represent God. Listen, if you are in Christ, if you know for sure, this is not so much a salvation message this morning, but don't let that stop you. If you do not know Christ as your Savior, know that He went to a cross for you. He bled and died for your sins that you can have eternal life. Don't leave here not knowing that. Don't leave here not knowing you have a home in heaven. It's worth the embarrassment going forward when everybody else thinks you're saved. It's worth it. You'll be thankful but don't let that stop you. But if you are in Christ, you are a part of a kingdom that is not of this world. And as a member of God's family, as a member, as, as one of his uh, bride, we are called to advance his kingdom. We are called to advance the line for the cause of Christ. But we cannot do it. We cannot do it if we've been, we cannot do what we've been charged to do if we are entangled in the affairs of this life. I think that's what Paul's getting at here. We cannot prevent and we cannot prevent that entanglement when we don't remember the basics of the Christian life. Let me say that again, kind of putting these two, two points here together, together. We cannot prevent worldly entanglement if we don't take our training seriously. We cannot prevent worldly entanglement when we forsake prayer. And relative to being a trained soldier, when we see any one of these traits being falling away in our lives or in the lives of others, it is the result always, 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 always of worldly entanglement. When I step back and look at my own life, every single falter is connected to not filling one of those seven traits we talked about earlier. Every single one of them. Not only does entanglement not please God, it causes failure. It's like going into battle without armor. Or going into battle with armor and weapons that you don't know how to use. You lack proficiency. Friends, we must be committed to the basics. You know, it's like, what's, the, what's that coach that got out there and started every year? This is a football. What's that guy's name? Really? <laughs> no. Yep, there we go. I knew somebody would get it. <laughs> So we must be committed to the basics. We can't prevent worldly entanglement again when we forsake prayer, when we forsake the scriptures, when we forsake church, when we forsake giving. We cannot prevent worldly entanglement when we forsake each other, when we forsake soul winning or when we forsake godly submission. If we are going to be trustworthy, if we are going to be a soldier that God can send on life saving missions, we cannot get caught up in earthly things. 
because no man that warreth entangleth himself with the affairs of this life that he may please him who hath chosen him to be a soldier. We cannot please God when we are entangled by the world. How many of us have been entangled by the world? Every day, every week we battle with being entangled. We cannot please God when we are entangled by the word. But all it takes, I, God reminds me of this many, many times. When you're, when you're drifting, when you're letting the entanglement kind of take over you, one slight turn back to God, and it is God just blesses. I mean, you're not even all the way yet. You're nowhere near where God wants you to be. But one just little turn towards God, and He blesses so much. He blesses so much that it makes you want to turn more. God loves us, and He draws us to us over and over again. We must turn to God. Keep that entanglement out. You know, in the southeastern United States, I know Bobby has kind of experienced some of these things. There is a nasty terrain feature called a draw. <laughs> She's laughing. So I, I know you know this. It's kind of even when high, it's, it's, it's when high grounds kind of come together. They kind of come down like this. And they form sort of a natural waterway. And it's nowhere near as pretty as that. No, pretty as that. Uh, and they are filled with thick vegetation, really to put it mildly. Sometimes they got water in them, sometimes they do not. On the map, they don't look at all difficult at all to pass. You know, a little stream bed, you're good to go. But on the ground, when you are walking, especially at night, it's a disaster. They are a nightmare. More than one good soldier has lost his way trying to cross this terrain feature or not taking the crossing of such seriously. And if I can apply this practically to our spiritual life, life is filled with draws. They're everywhere. They bump us off course. They, they keep us entangled in the world. They stop us dead in our tracks sometimes. And I get it. Sometimes life is difficult. Sometimes we're thrown into a draw and we don't really have control over that. And these things have a way of growing up on us and creeping into our lives. But we must keep our eyes on Christ. Keep your eyes on Jesus. Don't let it steer you away from the basics of Christianity. These seven things, and you probably throw a whole lot more in there, will keep you focused. It will actually keep you direction, your direction in Christ right. In reference back to these draws, the physical draws for soldiers in that training, sometimes their mission is just to go from point A to point B. And they're going along and, they're, and they find themselves a draw. They find themselves stuck in this draw and they get all turned around. They have nowhere. They don't know which way's up, which way's northwest, east or south. Your compass is doing this number. You don't, you're lost. You don't know what's going on. And the point, your rendezvous is like 100 meters away. You can't get there. You've been entangled in the weeds and vines of the draw. Friends, again, we must stay focused on the mission. And that mission is the Great Commission. To tell the world about Jesus Christ. You know, we're focused on others' needs. The, the Lord will take care of you. He, he gives grace to the humble. But if we go through life thinking those draws are nothing, that's pride. What does God do to prideful Christians? He resists them. He resists them. God resists the proud. Don't get sucked into the draws of life. Stay on the high ground. And be a soldier that our Lord can trust all the way to the finish line. Later in this letter to Timothy, Paul told him, I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. May you and I be trustworthy soldiers who are not entangled in this world's affairs, but live in a way that pleases him 
who has chosen us to be a soldier. May we please our Savior. You, know, you and I have probably heard the phrase, trust your training. You've heard that before. And there is certainly a place for that. But for the Christian, it's so much more. Our Savior goes with us wherever we go. So while we are called to be tough, we are called to be, train, or to be trained and trustworthy. Our hope and faith is not in our grit, nor in our training. It's in our trainer. Our faith is in Jesus Christ. We do not find approval in our own trustworthiness. We find approval in Christ and Christ alone. He is our master. And as Paul encouraged Timothy to endure hardness, to avoid worldly entanglement, and to strive for masteries, may you and I also be, this, be encouraged this morning to be tough, to be trained, and to be trustworthy. So that we can not only hold the line, we can advance the line for the cause of Jesus Christ. Let us pray.